you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And J-Mac and Sherry B. Um, Sherry B and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. And uh, hopefully in the last segment, we can open up the phone lines, get your take on our discussion for today. Today, um, our topic is prison. Prison, thy name is empathy. We're going to explore all of the ways that um, empathy has been exploited in our culture. And um, even many, 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 many well-meaning Christians have walked into this sort of, uh, I guess, invitation to be empathetic. And then as soon as you get in, just the, the bars just shut and lock and you can't ever find the key and you're not getting out. And, and it all begins because you've been told and you believe that you've got to show empathy and that the empathy that you've got to show doesn't have um, any um, guardrails or doesn't have any guidance or doesn't have um, any qualifiers or any parameters or anything like that. And so today mm. I want to show from scripture that actually the empathy does have some guardrails yeah. and it's right there in scripture guys. That's you, you, you know, that we repeatedly say the word of God is a straight edge. We talk about having a biblical worldview. It means that we believe the Bible is good and right and true right. and where it is prescriptive, we live by it. And so we'll talk about that. But before we do that though, yes. will the great um, let our listeners know what's going on. Yes. The marriage family life conference happening July 7th to the 9th. Uh, it's coming up quickly, um, so make sure you register. You can register at marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. Uh, and just to let you know that May 15th is the deadline. So we're going to be closing down registration on May 15th. And you're going to hear uh, more and more about that, but uh, just go, it's going to be a, a great time. So make sure that you have your tickets, marriagefamilylife.net. Okay, so we have been um, looking at the transitioning of America. Um, we've done at least three parts. Yeah. This could fall into yeah, so. part, four, part four, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the extended version. The extended version kind of yeah. starts to, you know. But uh, I specifically want to focus on the way that we are transitioning. Well, I've, that's what I've been doing all along, focusing on the way that we're transitioning people. Um, we know that there's a lot of... Um, media that's involved social media mass media um what's called legacy media mm -hmm. uh and and all of these things work to transition you <laughs> uh so even news stories are transitioning you yeah um but i think one of the ways that america has transitioned and we haven't recognized it is uh in the way of our empathy being abused mm. our empathy being abused mm -hmm. and not understanding the difference between empathy and compassion mm -hmm. and how those two emotions will cause a different outcome. And in fact, empathy has some very specific guardrails and, and we'll, we'll get into that, but I want to, I want to kind of work this discussion around some of the stories that we read, some of the news headlines that we read 
and what we have been conditioned to think and how we have been conditioned to respond. So the call from our culture is a very emotional call. It is feel what I feel. Right. Even if I cannot really kind of like describe what I'm feeling, right. the call is you step into my shoes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so this kind of, um, kind of got its runway with um, allies. We need allies. We need people who are on our side. That's we right. need people who are going to stand up for us and people who are going to speak out. And then it went from that to uh, we need people who will be like us, you know, understand mm-hmm. what we're feeling, kind of step into our bodies if you will and yeah. and just understand and and you'll see this kind of um language you'll see mm-hmm. this kind of um hypothetical kind of being thrown out on a regular basis it's yeah. like the 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 examples all revolve around um you know imagine yourself living inside a shell that you feel you don't belong like in put and yourself and tra- in this in this place of me and, and it's like the allies like you're saying allies and then advocates you know yes. it's like yes. we want yes. you to advocate on the part of on our part, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and stand alongside us and, and represent us, you know, even That's though right. you may not be, yes. you know, but you have to be an advocate. You have to be an ally. That's exactly right. And, and here's the thing. And, and you'll notice that the empathy that is called upon in today's culture has no use for any types of facts, like no use for reality. So it used to be, well, Okay, I'm, I, and I, I got to tell you, I even in looking at this, I thought, man, do I want to start with a story as an example, or do I want to get right into the content? And I'll, I'll start with a story as an example. How about okay. that? I'll, I'll give you the story. This is a Newsweek article. It's out last week, and when you read this article, you just immediately go, oh. So, so, okay, what is supposed to be drawn from us is this empathy to understand what this mom is feeling. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so think about this. And this is in the whole category of the transitioning of America that we look, whether or not you're going willingly Mm -hmm. or you're going, um, by way of manipulation right. or you're going being just dragged along, you're going. So for many, many people are going. So for, you know, the, the person is supposed to be a, tra- a transitioning even of their body, you know, and, and, and changing. But for the general population, they want a transitioning of your mind it's your and your mind. emotions and how you yes. feel about yes. this and that you couldn't dare speak against, you that's know, it. This because man, that's not showing empathy. Because if you are trans as well, you will not speak out against this. You mm. you won't question the realities, mm. right? You won't question um, the lack of facts and, and, and the lack of logic if you also are trans, right? And remember, we've already described that trans is not transitioning and going from as <laughs> what you once would have commonly understood, going from one sex to the other which mm-hmm. is impossible you <laughs> right. you can't do that right and so I've been wrestling with this and talking about it a lot but now I kind of just you know when my communication gets flat like this it's just you know guys we're over it we're, we're <laughs> over it right so 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 now we don't need to really use these terms as much as we have been using them because I actually think that they work against us there's no such thing as transitioning I don't care how many body parts you remove mm-hmm. or reconstruct you're not changing who God has made you. Right. You're, you're it's not. impossible, but that's the thought that yes, that's presented. Like I'm yes. actually changing my body. So I'm actually changing, you know, as a person. And it's right. like, no. And so, so, and to your point, if, 
so it's either you're you're trans by way of the belief that you can change <laughs> your physical makeup, you mm -hmm. can change who you are. Um, I don't want to say biologically because I don't even think that they <laughs> would say biologically. I think they try to stay away from that because you don't want to get lost in the weeds of facts. Like you don't want right. to get lost in the weeds of things that are like, you know, yeah. anyway, um, set. So, so either you're trans physically <laughs> guys understand what I'm saying yeah. or you're trans mentally. However it is, everybody in this country must be trans. This is what we were talking about when we talk about the transition of confusion. America, it's total confusion. Right. And, and so you've got the people who are active in the confusion and then you've got, um, those who are just complicit in it, right? Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily active in it. They're not doing these things, but they're just kind of like empathetic enough to just not say anything. Mm. Oh, I feel you. I feel, oh, don't you understand? Mm -hmm. And so we need to get to a place where we are so bolstered by the word of God mm -hmm. that we understand what true hatred is. We understand what true love is because so many times these terms are ripped from scripture, but they don't use the biblical definition, right? They're just throwing them around. So when we know what these words really mean, we can use them appropriately and we don't have to um, fear the use of them when they're used inappropriately, right? Mm. Or inaccurately, I should say. All right, so here's the article from Newsweek okay and then and then we'll look at um, empathy run amok and how the Bible <laughs> gives us some guardrails so that we can actually through the word of God unlock the prison doors and come out into freedom like we don't have to be bound Amen. by this feeling of like you're just a callous individual you just don't love people you don't care about people I'm going to show you in the scriptures I'm going to show you that love and care and compassion for people actually moves you to right action that's right not all action is right action. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. and all right. So here we go. Newsweek article. This is the headline. Mom forced to leave Alabama as ban prohibits trans health care for son. <laughs> so you got to you have to read actively, guys. Right. You have to read actively. So you have to take apart everything that's in that headline. And then you have to kind of brace for the impact of the actual article, right? So you have to do some redefining or you have to get back to traditional definitions and you have to say, okay, so when they say healthcare, um, we now have a generational gap. That's not what I think of when I think of healthcare. <laughs> okay. So you have to first, you have to, you have to understand that. So Alabama is not prohibiting health care as this article would lead you to believe just by reading the headline. Yeah. OK, <laughs> right. Alabama is prohibiting child abuse. OK, right. You see, there's a big difference there. So that that right there is going to um, form sort of like a protective barrier between you, this article and the use <laughs> of empathy. Right. Yeah. Like that as like a, a bludgeon against you. Okay, so here we go. This is the this is the article. An Alabama mom has launched an online fundraiser to help her move states so that she can access gender affirming care for her teenage son. Mm -hmm. Words. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> the 48 year old mom who asked to be referred to only as Heather moved to the state only 10 months ago to be closer to her family. Now she says it's necessary to move away again. Governor Kay Ivey signed a bill last week making it a felony to prescribe hormone medications to transgender people under the age of 19. So, so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to leave because because I, I can no longer abuse my son 
with impunity. So, and and by the way, can can you guys run me some change so that I can leave? Because it's expensive to move these days. You got any money? Because I, you know. Back to the article. The bill has sparked outcry from transgender and civil rights advocates who argue the bill bans families from seeking medically necessary care for their children. All of these things. It's amazing, man. Like all of the words, like we, we just so have, we, we have, we've devalued words so much that all of the words are very, very squishy and, and very, very like indistinct or non-distinct. Mm. And, and so the, the value and the appreciation that we once had for words, we're struggling to find that in our culture because yeah. we see things like medically necessary and we have a traditional definition for medically necessary, right. Right. but we live in a culture today that has really ripped their, their definition right. or their words away from the traditional definition. And that's why, right? like you say, we have to be active readers because you yes. got to do it like a mind shift. You got to think exactly like, wait, right. wait, wait, that's not right. That's not, that's you know, what not. they're saying is not accurate it's not what it is you know yes so you read these articles but you gotta like be actively reading these articles because if not you fall into that trap of like you're sucked oh, in yeah because th- because if, if you're not actively reading then you're going what a horrible right. governor <laughs> to hold back medically necessary care from children mm. right The bill states such medications, quote, should not be presented to or determined for minors who are incapable of comprehending the negative implications. Sounds like protection to me that you you should not give hormone hormone blockers Mm -hmm. to children who do not understand. And cannot understand the implications of what they're taking. They cannot understand the long term effects. Right. Like you, you think there are just some basic things that parents used to protect kids from so that they didn't have to grow up and, and be like, oh, man, you remember that time? Remember that time when I asked if I could get a tattoo on my face? <laughs> no offense, Tyson. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> for regular people, just on the face like that, you know? I mean, pretty much pretty much your vocation is set if you do that. Like, you, you know, it's going to have to be like MMA or something. I don't know what else you could do. I'm sorry, it's a side note, but uh, it's an important one. But you remember we used to have parents in place who would say, no, you're not going to tattoo your face. Right. (laughs) And you might be mad. You might stomp away because, you know, you're just like, it'd be so cool. Right. Like just to get a tattoo over like just half your face. Mm. (laughs) And then, you know, two years go by and you're like, man, dude. Can you imagine Man, if I thank, had gotten a tattoo on half God. of my face? <laughs> right. <laughs> thank you, Lord. And thank you, Mom. Yeah. Right? All right. We got to grab the break. We'll be right back. God's not with you. Even with your broken heart and your wounds and your scars. God's not with you. Even when you're lost and it's hard and you're falling apart. God's not with you. It's not over. It's only begun. So don't hide, don't run, cause God's not done with you. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening to the Addisons um, daily mm-hmm. during this time slot. We appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Torin Wells with God's Not Done With You. Prison, thy name is empathy. Prison, thy name is empathy. We are all pretty much trapped because of empathy. Like we, you know, we've entered into um, an arena where then suddenly the bars are shut and locked and the keys are thrown away. 
And mm-hmm. and by the way, it's important to put emphasis on the fact that we've entered into this arena. Like we go in because of the empathy, the things that are drawn from us that we're supposed to put ourselves in these people's place. And we're supposed to vicariously live and feel what they feel mm-hmm. and what they live. Even if what they feel and what they live is not distinct, even if it's, as they would call it, fluid and ever changing and (laughs) flatly a lie. We're supposed supposed to to live in it like we're supposed to join in vicariously living in that. That's the call. No. Right. (laughs) Well, I agree. I agree. Let me get back to this article because we got some clips here that we need you to hear um, again. And and then we'll turn to the word of God. How does the word of God provide guardrails for us as it as it pertains to empathy? Because empathy in and of itself is not wrong, by the way. Mm -hmm. And that's and and that's where for Christians, we've got to We've got to dig into the word of God. We've got to be planted and rooted in the word of God. So we understand what is the right um presentation, if you will, of empathy, the right use, the right place, the right display. That's the word I'm looking for. If you just keep shuffling through all your bins, <laughs> you'll find it. You'll find the word that you're looking for. Okay, back to this Newsweek article. This mom's got to leave Alabama because Governor Kay Ivey hates children and and won't allow them medically necessary care. <laughs> Guys. Oh man. All right. Uh for Heather, the bill is quote heartbreaking as it means her 15 year old son, her 15 year old son will not be able to continue with his transition up to now. Heather said her son has been receiving care from a doctor at the university of Alabama's health department, UAB medicine in Birmingham quote. It's so hard to wrap my head around that I'm being forced to leave my home so that I don't get charged with a felony for giving my son medication that was prescribed to him by a fantastic medical doctor. Now, the interesting thing to me about that, and, and I'm, I, I want to play for you a series of clips here, because when we talk about, you know, fantastic medical doctors um, and, and what what we've got, some doctors, not all, obviously not all. And I feel like that goes without saying, but just because we live in a very sensitive society so so not all doctors right but for those for whom this is true then for you then for you you're doing right. this right okay so you've got some doctors who um you describe them as fantastic medical doctors but they go into a situation already having determined the position that they will take on the issue mm. so i don't know how that's you know fantastical if you have a doctor that comes into a situation that is already deciding Mm -hmm. that the cultural moment that we're in now should be fully supported, celebrated and um, encouraged. I don't, I don't know how you call it that. Right. So here, here, I think we have maybe three clips from this particular doctor, but I I want you to hear this because, because sometimes when you hear from these people again, who want you to be empathetic and they want you to believe in, so I've gotten this approval from my doctor, I've gotten this. And, and by the way, well, all right, my hamster has to slow down. (laughs) So here, clip one, you're going to hear this is um, a doctor from Children's Health of Orange County in California, Children's Health of Orange County. It's called Chalk, right? And listen to this man as he talks about, um, and this is a few years ago, talks about this initiative that Chalk is starting as they're going to help with, you know, transgender youth. And and then I'm going to, we're going to play several clips because I want you to hear um where the mind is Mm -hmm. for some of these so-called fantastic medical doctors. Okay, this is clip one. Hi, my name is Mark Daniels, and I'm a pediatric endocrinologist at Chalk Children's Hospital. I'm the division chief, and I'm overseeing a new program called Gender, Puberty, and Sex Development Program at Chalk. 
Gender is the sense of self, of who one is in the world that we live in. And so gender really is not defined by what you look like or what your body looks like. It's who you are inside. Gender dysphoria is the sense that there is some distress or stress related to the fact that how you see yourself is not how the rest of the world sees you. And that can lead to anxiety and depression. So it's the dysphoria is when your understanding of who you are does not match with what the rest of the world sees. Sometimes people do not feel that they are the same gender as what their sex at birth was. So those people can generally be considered transgender if they are considering themselves the opposite gender of what they were born, or gender non-conforming, which just means they're not meeting society's understanding and norms of what gender is. When someone is transgender, oftentimes the first question people ask is why? And the answer is we really don't know. It can be a mix of many different things, including genetics and culture, environment, but in truth we don't have any test that we can do, such as a blood test or an x-ray. Many parents ask, how would I know if my child has a gender issue or is gender non-conforming? And the, the real answer is listening. The real answer is trying to understand when a child is expressing something, what that may mean to that child. So some children will, at a very early age, as soon as they can talk, will tell you that they're being told that they're a girl when they're a boy or they feel like a boy, or vice versa. They're actually a boy, but everybody is uh, calling them a girl or making them wear dresses. And this is actually oftentimes very distressing to a, a, a child. So that would be one of the first indicators to some families. Okay, so, but wait a minute. But, but why do I need an endocrinologist? Why, why do I need a pediatric endocrinologist to help me with this? Because you just, you said that there is no, there's no blood work. So I had a thyroid issue a few years ago. There were tests. There was like blood work. And yeah. I actually had an endocrinologist like help me with those issues. And so, so there was a way to actually medically look at what was going on in my body and right. then decide on the proper treatment. So my question for you, Dr. Daniels, is mm -hmm. this. If there is no blood work that is going to be done, if there's no, you know, chest x-rays or anything like to decide what's in the heart of the kid and see, do you really look at the x-ray and find a girl and a boy presenting? And do you find a, a boy and a girl present? If you can't do those things, then why are we using medicine to treat it? Mm. Like, why do we need you? I, and I, I mean that respectfully. I don't mean why do we need you as an endocrinologist? Because I'm, you know, really, there are some people who need you and there are kids who need you. But those who have have a there is a mental disconnect here or as we call it dysphoria, which, by the way, nobody cares about that anymore, because that used to kind of imply that there was seeking of treatment. Yeah. That there was something that was off that was not aligned. OK, and so you wanted to treat it. Now we don't want to treat it. We just want to lean into it. We just want to lean. So my question is for for this chalk doctor, um, why why are you necessary? <laughs> why why are you heading up this new wing initiative start what so there's there's no blood work that you can do there's so so and then why are you why are you prescribing medication mm -hmm. do you see how there's like a there's like a um i don't know there's just a there's a disconnect there mm -hmm. that the average person is supposed to just agree with right. we're supposed to all just go along and we're supposed to say well if if this child mm -hmm. is being seen by a quote-unquote fantastic medical doctor mm-hmm which, by the way, if you start listening to this doctor, anybody else feel like this doctor sounds like an activist? Sounds like his story hour at the library <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really. I mean, it doesn't sound like a neutral 
yeah. provider to yeah. me. It doesn't sound like a provider who mm. is going to go where the evidence leads. It sounds like a provider who already has a pre-established position mm-hmm. and is going to operate according to that position. Can you imagine if for anything else you went into your doctor's office and your doctor already determined before you came in what he thought you needed? Can you imagine what doctor would be worth his salt? That you went into the office and the doctor was already there sitting on the table where you would normally sit <laughs> and be like, hey, 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 guess what? No, no, you don't need to sit down. I already got it. I know. I was I was just thinking about this and I'm looking at the way that the culture is going here. And I feel like um, really what we need to do is uh, we just need to put you on a round of treatment. OK, uh, treatment for what? I, with just, you know, whatever, whatever's whatever's on discount over there at Walmart. You know, you know, what's amazing about this whole thing, I think. What has happened is it's been taken out of the realm of being uh, something spiritual. Yes. Then it was taken down to being a mental disorder. Mm -hmm. And now it's taken to be something biological, physical. Like, you Mm. know, it's like you can see how and it's amazing how those things, because for a long time, this was a mental disorder. Yes. Yes. You know, but that many Christians would have said this spiritual. Yeah. We all know that it that that is spiritual that's, you know, behind it all. But you can see how they're trying to get in, into the realm of where they feel like they can understand it. And even in this realm, it's confusion. Mm-hmm. Even in the, mm-hmm. in the physical, biological, it's confusion. You know, it, it, it does not add up. So, like you're saying, they can't do blood tests. They can't. There's no way they can discover what they feel like they can discover. And so, not, but they have to bring it down to the lowest common denominator of being like a biological, like something physical, something they, they just don't feel like you know, what you are, like what you are is not really being presented. You and know, guess what? It's amazing. And, and so if you need, you need these doctors to prescribe the hormones, but you also need the parents and indeed you need the public to have a certain amount of empathy mm. for these individuals yeah. so that even as you are the one doing the prescribing, you've got an entire population of people who are cheering you on as you do. Right. So no one is looking at you and going, medical malpractice like uh i'm sorry that's like operating below the standard of care like nobody nobody's looking at you doing that why because in the court of public opinion you're a hero Mm. and how have you become a hero because empathy because everybody like (laughs) because if if you've got a kid who's really struggling like for the doctor to withhold this treatment can you imagine guys i look my heart goes out my heart goes out to faithful medical professionals living in 21st century america Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm I cannot imagine the immense pressure that so many of them are under because they Mm. cannot faithfully and dutifully practice medicine. Now it's just we we are taking political positions now. But I tell you, I could branch off, but I won't. We'll stay the course. This shows you how things have degraded so much morally as in this country, you know, in the sense of. Doctors doing this would have been in trouble on. at one time. Yes. This was morally yes. this was like, no, you can't do that's that's abuse. That's harming, you know, the children. But how it, it gives you a, like almost like a gauge of our society, how really far does. we have gone to where doctors who are supposed mm-hmm. to be safe ones, ones that are educated on. and, and, and know and trying to help, trying to help us, you know, yes. that now they're doing harm and it's accepted. And it's like even uh, a champion. That's amazing. Listen, when we have kids now, guys, this is where we are. When we have kids who are checking up on one another and they're asking if, you know, did you get your, your hormones? Did you get, you know, 
and and asking with the type of frequency and with the type of casual approach that would have been um, synonymous to asking, did you get a sucker when you went to the, did you get a sucker? <laughs> did you remember like you, yeah. you, and, and you were really offended if you left the doctor's office and you didn't get a sucker because right. that was sort of like expected. Right. But now it's the same way with these hormone blockers. It's the same way with these so-called therapies because the kid just wants it. It's, 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 it's Veruca salt. Desi, I wants an oopaloopa. And and so now they're just getting it. And so look, and here's the thing, because again, we're talking about this prison that we've all um, been forced to live in uh, that is called empathy. We, we, we're we just oozing empathy, right? And, and no one can think straight because of all the empathy that's just pouring from us, right? Um, the question then becomes, so if a parent are a, or a guardian kind of thinks that maybe there's some issues going on with their child. And again, because you, you would think that these um, quote unquote fantastic medical doctors, mm-hmm. um, you would think that they would have the best interest of the child at heart, but that they would also be listening to and connecting with the parent because after all, um, you know, parent, right. <laughs> but that's not the case. We live in a society and we've been talking about this for that's a very right. long time where now it's like, let the children lead Yeah, bypass the, the children. Parent. You know, you don't need that authority, you know, bypass the parent and you do, you have your own autonomy, your personal autonomy. You can, you know, give consent or all this kind of stuff. And you can see very clearly how this whole empathy piece is going to mean persecution for those who are standing on God's word. Look, if you're going to be a believer and, you know, in in God, if you're going to live godly in this life and and say what the Bible says and and not going to give in, well, your lack of empathy is going to be seen as hostile. Look, I was talking to a friend recently who said she took her daughter to the doctor. And the first words out of the doctor's mouth as he walked into the room was to, the words were to turn to the daughter and ask of the mother, are you okay with her being in here? Mm. Are you okay with your mother being the one who brought so the, you in the, here? The daughter was asked who, if who, you were The okay daughter was asked, if, are you okay with, with, your with her being in here? In here? Guys, Man, I what, don't, what I don't know. It's like, you know, and, and praise God, the mom was like, uh, yeah. And, and guess what? <laughs> we ain't coming back here. Like For you, real. you, I mean, like, this is not, on, this man. is a no go. I mean, you know, and I, I'm, I'm probably, I, I probably joke too much, but if that, I, I just imagine myself being, well, if she's not, then she better find a way to get home <laughs> because I mean, this is <laughs> amazing right. that doctors ask that. Yikes guys. It, anyway. All right. Yeah. I don't know if we can squeeze in. This is clip two before we go to the break. Uh, let's go. No. Do we if not a parent time? or a guardian starts wondering if their child has a gender nonconformity or is transgendered, the first thing they should do is try to understand where their child is coming from. I do want to say that this is not easy on anyone. It's not easy on the children. It's not easy on the parents. Not not easy on the siblings. It's something that we as a society are starting to understand more and more about, but is still very different than what our classic society has accepted. Once there is starting to be more information and ideas that there is a gender nonconformity or someone who is not following our, our typical gender ideas, then the family should really reach out to a, a medical professional like their pediatrician or to a counselor. The idea there is not to try to change the idea of the child or the mind of the child, that we can fix that issue, but really to offer a sense of safety and support to really be able to explore this a little further. Don't <laughs> fix it, just, just support it. 
All right, we'll be right back. Stay close. Hear ye, hear ye. It's a flood warning. It's easy to mock. If you've never seen it pouring, they like. We've never seen rain before. Then here you come saying God sent us going to pour. So we choose our way and reject salvation. Our goal here at Chalk is to offer a comprehensive approach to children with gender issues and other issues. This will include a medical care, adolescent medical care, therapy, counseling, and access to resources. Our goal here is to offer gender-affirming therapy. We want children and adolescents to actually feel comfortable in expressing who they feel they are, not what the world thinks they should be. I, I, I liken this to um, what we call like palliative care, like where you just, and I hope I'm saying that correctly, where you just make a person comfortable. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. doctors have done all that they can do. And so now our therapies are just, <clears throat> excuse me, to make sure that you're comfortable until you pass on. Mm-hmm. And indeed, that is what we're doing to yeah. children. Yeah. We're just, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, wow. trying to make them comfortable until unless there is something else that will avert this crisis, they pass on into eternity. Mm. Right. Um not having come to the knowledge of Christ, mm-hmm. not having come to the truth, um, not being transformed. And that is what we are seeing in our culture today. That is what we are seeing in homes across this country. That is what we are seeing come from um, well-meaning, but wrong. Okay. Well-meaning, but just flat out, just wrong parents Yeah. today. And it's very sad. I'll give the number and I've got a couple more clips or uh, one more clip, I think. Maybe two two more clips. Two more clips. Okay. And and then I want to make sure that we turn to the scriptures. So let me say this. I know we probably will get to one or two calls. Um, But here's the number. 888-589-8840. Excuse me. 888-589-8840. So here's the question. The question is, what about empathy? What about feeling with people? What, What about caring about people? So... In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, and and I'm going to read it to you here. The Apostle Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And so I think that we would draw from the scriptures that we are to um, display a certain type of empathy where we put ourselves in that person's shoes, if you will, where we say, you know, I'm, I'm weeping with you. I have not suffered this loss, but I I feel your pain. You have suffered loss, and I feel that with you. Um, I have not received this grand whatever it is, but you've received it, and so I'm able to rejoice with you as if it were happening to me. Now, people say, okay, so I understand that. So what then becomes the guardrail for an empathy that would imprison me in today's culture? Well, if you go back to the beginning of Romans chapter 12, because see, Scripture has context, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go back to the, and and indeed, of of course, you could start at the very beginning of Romans. But if you go back just a little ways to the beginning of Romans chapter 12, this is what the Apostle Paul says. Before he gets to rejoicing with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, listen to this. Okay, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two, 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind Mm. that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what then becomes sort of the guardrail, if you will, for empathy? How do you know those things you're supposed to feel with other people by being transformed, by having your mind renewed that you know what is the right display of empathy? So there are things that you can feel with people. These things have been historically true. We've understood it. We can grieve with people because we all collectively understand grief, right? We can understand injustice, Mm -hmm. right? God allows us to understand injustice so we can be upset about injustice, true injustice. Please do not let the perversion of justice cloud your understanding of the fact that there actually is justice and injustice. The Bible speaks of this, but we can know these things so we can allow ourselves to feel empathy with regard to these things, right? The problem is this, when we don't have the guardrail that is being transformed and having a renewed mind, then not only are we given the empathy that we're supposed to have, but this can take on whatever form the culture chooses, Mm. right? So you can (laughs) feel with me things that aren't real feelings, things I make up, you know, a unicorn. And this (laughs) is what I feel. And tomorrow it will be something totally different. And guess what? Empathize. And the day after that, I might switch back to the former day. Okay, right? Empathize. Or maybe I'll go back to two weeks ago, but empathize. Mm-hmm. Now, look at the difference. Look at the marked difference. So, and, 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 and by the way, guys, I want to say this. When we deal within the body of Christ, this empathy becomes a little bit easier for us. Like among professing believers, because um, presumably, <laughs> as we are all professing, There's been a true conversion and all of us, we've had our mind transformed, right? Our minds have been renewed. So we are able to understand that the empathy that is required of us is going to be legitimate. Okay. But there's a, there's a a, a different approach, quite a different approach when you are looking outside of the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. where people might draw upon your empathy. They might want you to empathize, right? What might be better in this case as a believer, as a believer looking at, a non-believing culture, what might be better is to have compassion for people. Mm. And you might say, well, what's the difference, you know, to, to have empathy or to have compassion. Those things seem like they're the same, but they're not, they're distinct. And indeed they cause a different response. So when you have compassion on a person, right, it moves you to truth. You are, you are understanding that, wow, something is really wrong for them. Something is really wrong with them. And then you want to help alleviate the problem. Empathy is not asking you to alleviate the problem. Empathy is asking you to just step into that place with that person. Mm. Just, just, um, just come and be in my space. See, empathy says, don't fix me. Don't, don't worry about my situation. Mm. Don't fix me. Just Mm -hmm. come and step into my place Mm. and be like me. Right. So, so this can be abused in culture, but what might be better for us in 21st century America, not that we don't empathize because we need to be able to empathize. But if you're, if you're struggling to know how to empathize, maybe you might stick with the training wheels of compassion. Okay. Where you can look at a person and you can know, okay, wow, I feel really bad that that happened to that person. What truly is the remedy for them? This is displayed with Jesus. Let me, let me give you, this is Mark chapter six. This is what you see Jesus doing. Mark chapter six, verse 34. When he went ashore and he saw a great crowd 
and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Look at what the Bible says he did. And he began to teach them many things. Mm. He had compassion on them. Mm -hmm. He doesn't step into their shoes. It's like sheep that don't, they don't have a shepherd. Let's all just be like sheep. No, no. Jesus is moved with compassion. And what does he do as a result of this compassion that moves him? He teaches them many things. So in our culture today, we need compassion that will move us to teach people the truth, to show them the truth, to tell them that there is a way out of their suffering. And it does not involve hormones and replacement therapies and cutting off um, functional body parts and all of these things that we are doing. We are maiming people in our society. It does not involve all of this. But we will never be able to do that if we continue on in this prison that is empathy, where we are told, step into my shoes, step into my shoes. If a person is on the way to hell and destruction, no, please don't step into their shoes. Step into that path and block, like pull them, snatch them back as if on the way to fire because they are. Yeah. You don't step in their shoes and walk with them. Like, I'm going to walk with you in the same direction on our way to hell. Like, how, how are we doing this? We have been made distinct in culture. Now, of course, all of this presupposes that you believe the gospel is true. Amen. That you believe that for those who act in rebellion against God, who do not repent, who do not submit to Jesus Christ, who do not trust him for their eternal life. If, if, if you really believe that those who reject what Jesus Christ has done, that they will be eternally destroyed. If you really believe it, then this is why you wouldn't just step in somebody's shoes as they are walking. You wouldn't want to be a part of that uh, smooth path to hell as C.S. Lewis described it in the screw tape letters. Mm. You, you wouldn't want to be a part of that. All right. I, I, I do have a couple more clips. We may get to them tomorrow if the Lord wills it, but I do want to hear from you. If we've got some calls queued up, will the great, where should we go first? All right, let's go to Chase in Alabama. Hi, Chase. Hey, guys. Um, You'll have to forgive me. I'm a little emotional. You know, if I went to a doctor today and said, you know what, I think I'm paraplegic. I need you to cut off my legs and arms so that I can confirm that. No mm -hmm. doctor in their right mind is going to do that. Now, having said that, I've been on hormone therapy since I was 12 years old, but it was not to confirm a gender that I thought I was. It was to fix a chemical issue in my body to support the gender that I am. Mm -hmm. I was born a male. My body just was not producing enough testosterone to support what I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that is why I speak to these kids and tell them as a psychologist, it's difficult enough to navigate as an adolescent and as a child, when you're trying to figure out who you are, it's hard enough without society jumping in and pushing you, you know, hey, well, maybe you're this, maybe you're mm -hmm. that. Your mm -hmm. life is already confused and messed up enough. And that's why we need to step in and be the parents that we're supposed to be and say, no, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And I will take you to church and I will be in that doctor's office with you. If the doctor asks if you, oh, is it okay if I'm in there? You know what? I'm like you, Mickey. Um, I, you better hope so because you're going to need a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Hey, Chase, Chase. listen, brother, I got to tell you how much I appreciate you calling in. And and I really appreciate you sharing what I would imagine is is personal uh, to you. But man, it's so timely. Yeah. Thank you so much for for your testimony and and your faithfulness to the truth. And, And I'm not sure that in the purest definition that what Chase is describing would be called intersex. But I I will say this, even when we speak in terms of intersex, what, what we traditionally medically understood that to be was between two absolute fixed sexes that (laughs) either you understand what I'm saying. And there were things that doctors did to help with that. But now we live in a culture where this is not, this is not a situation of medicine. This is not a situation of biology. This is just what I feel like and what I want. And I think the, um, the example that our brother began with, that if you went into a doctor's office and said you believe that you're a paraplegic and that you are <laughs> that you were an amputee and that you wanted to have a body part cut off, there's no doctor who would do that. Right. And even today still, right, I'd like, to, I'd like to know the doctor who would be willing to do that so that according to this chalk doctor, you can have kids who feel better about the body that they're in. Because remember, mm. that's what he said. Yeah. We want kids, to, we want to make them comfortable in the body that they're in and not how we think they ought to be. Or the body that they perceive themselves to be in. <laughs> so think, think about that, guys. Where yeah. does it stop? Yeah. Where does it stop? And All right, all right. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Lynn in Arkansas. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Yeah, I know I got to talk fast. So anyway, I was, there's a place I shopped. Um, this person who uh, was a cashier uh, talked a lot. She's a lesbian, uh, or was. Anyway, and when she broke up with her partner, she was telling me about it. I listened to her, you know. And uh, then I found out that uh, through another employee that she was transitioning. Okay, so now she's working, instead of working in the front, she's working in the back, and she looks very unhappy. Um, I don't want to, you know, I have thought about different um, ways to approach her um, discreetly, and I, I'm pretty much a straight shooter, so I have to, I have to think about this, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, and um, one thing I thought of was to print, get a printout of the side effects sheet and, and just ask her, are you, you know, do they have you taking any medications or, but that might be on down the line. I don't know. I just want, I thought of saying, you know, I miss talking to you. I used to talk to you when you were up front and mm-hmm. I care about what happens to you. Mm-hmm. And then maybe later I say that I know a young girl who took a medication not for this but for depression and it led to a nightmare of other medications and bone loss and surgery mm, yes. and stuff like that wow. anyway so wow. what do you think when you oh Lynn Lynn let me just I'm sorry I just I want to jump in Willie Gray can testify to this yeah so I am I am in a similar situation to what you're describing right right now. And I have been praying and this was this was Will the Great's uh, strong admonition to me. Um, I asked my church to pray with me and to pray for me. I, I confess this to my church that, man, I realize that this person that I am observing as I go in to do my shopping um, obviously needs Jesus. And yet I find myself kind of holding back because of the political and cultural implications of just like what I would normally like, you know, just to, to, to begin this sort of conversation. And and I thought, Lord, 
I don't I don't want to walk in that type of like and man, concern is not the right word, but that kind of like trepidation where yeah. you're just like, ah, this could be like politically active. So first thing, let me say this because we're going to run out of time. Pray that the Lord will fill you with his spirit and Amen. ask the Lord to lead you and he will lead you. Maybe more on this tomorrow. <clears throat> Until then, Lord willing. God bless.